On this week's episode of The Fame Report, Alexander Casales sits down with his mom, Nirvana. What kind of question is that? Fuck you, I'm curious. No, that's very personal. In honor of Mother's Day. It's queer as hell. It's gay as fuck. It's can't be fresh hot topics. Yes, girl, you're in luck. Diva stars and queen, LGBTQ news, New York City, Broadway, pop culture. Hurry up and get the Fame Report. This just in is the Fame Report. It's perfect for you, so get the Fame Report with Alex Casala. All right, there we go. Are you there? Mm-hmm. I'm here. All righty, you're on my podcast. How excited are you to be on my podcast? Very excited. What is this? Do you even do you know what a podcast is? Kind of. What do you think it is? And uh, I don't know an interview on the internet. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of. I guess it's like a radio show on the internet, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are you, What explain what you're doing right now. Like you're with these women, somebody is your friend. I'm with my friend that we had not know where she was for four years. So now we came, we met Mona, you know Mona, me and Suzanne, we went to Napa Valley. We had lunch at Rutherford Grill in Napa Valley. Very yeah, where nice. Were women, where was this woman from? Like what part of your life? Explain that. Oh, we were at, uh, college friends. For college in Lebanon. Yeah, and after the Civil War, we left all in uh, different circumstances, so we didn't know who went where, what. She was in Berkeley for 40 years, and I didn't know, and I was in for, for 43 years in Philadelphia. And we just found out she was here just recently, six months ago. Now we have a reunion. Muna came from Beirut, and I'm here. I came from Philadelphia, and we're having a ball. What did you go college for social work in Lebanon why oh why because I was uh, I did a summer camp in the summer uh, when I was uh, just entering college to become a pharmacist and then I volunteered for a summer camp with the uh, with kids who were not uh, disadvantaged kids who needed to go to summer camps for free it was organized by a by a private organization. When I went there and I saw the kids, when they came so emaciated and stuff, and after three weeks they came down with like chubby cheeks and red upper cheeks, and they were so happy. And I came home and I said, I'm going to be a social worker. I changed my major from pharmacy to social work, and because I saw that they that I was so like touched by when they came out from the bus. We went up. The kids were so shy and skinny. And then mm-hmm. three weeks later, they came down the bus, like, happy. And their cheeks were so fat. And and then there was a little one. The story was there was one little one who was, they were supposed to be toilet trained. And one, we had a big accident the first night. And the camp manager told us that the girls, we, we were, asked to wake up at 3 o'clock to give him a shower and a bath. And he said in the morning, girls, if you uh, don't want to 
uh, watch him, this accident happened again. This is against the rule. I can always take him down back to Laba, to Beirut from the mountains. He looked at that, but he said, it's up to you if you decide to keep him and take care of him. So we looked at each other, the two girls that we watched him at night, and we said, no, we will take care of wash him. And that's when that kid, when he came down on the bus with his cheeks so big and fat, I saw that we made, and you know what? He was very disoriented. That's why he had the accident. He was, he was toilet trained. So if we had sent him, we would have cheated him, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I, when the, uh, when our supervisor said, he wasn't allowed to be here. The room was they had the kid has to be all toilet trained. And we said, no, we, we don't mind washing him if he had accident. And, oh, my God, that made my difference. And I said, no. I saw that little difference on that kid's face. And I, I, I changed my major to social work. I didn't regret it one day after that. And yeah. then what did you do after college? I worked for two years. And then I worked for the three years. I worked for the UN United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, UNHCR. That was my last job. And then we got the civil war. It was very dangerous going back to work, coming back. And my dad said, do you want to go? You always thought you were to do your master's in the United States. And he sent me here. I came to Penn in March 76. And then I got to the regular program in 77. Then I met your dad in the summer in between. Uh, but if between, he, like, like, Lebanon was dangerous. Like, give me a story or, like... Because we had the civil war. We had a civil war that broke up in 74, 75, and we started... Who was fighting the, who? I mean, it started with the, with the refugees, with the Palestinians. And it became a rift between uh, religions. It wasn't religion. Really. It's hard to hear you. It's hard to hear you. You know, it was a rift between. Uh, it, it started with the Palestinian refugees, and then we had the Hamas, and then so, and then it kind of uh, uh, it became. We never thought. Uh, I personally, we never thought as. Uh, Muslims and Christians, you know, we were, uh, we didn't get along because our friends, we were all together mixed in school. We never felt this one is a Muslim, this one is a Christian. We all liked each other. We loved each other. I don't know how this war happened, but overnight we started, everybody started hating each other because we had the the refugees from Palestine and the Syrians and the Hamas and the it just was like, I don't know, we were blindsided, at least of myself. We were very naive, maybe, but we never... But tell me, like, how was it dangerous? Was there, like, bombing? Because they bombing, 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 yep. And then the Muslims stayed in their side, and the Christian center, and there was a, there was in between. And then the, they did this, the Christians didn't want to go to the Muslim side. The Muslim side didn't go to the Christian side, and they started killing each other, and... And everybody stayed in their group, and then they bombed each other. And and then the so my I came they my my we were like five kids. We all went all over. Uncle Misak went to Paris, then he moved to Switzerland to study engineering. 
Auntie Savant, who came to Auntie Janet in New Jersey. She went to Fairly Dickinson. I came to Penn. Auntie Silva was married. Her uncle Vatan moved to Abu Dhabi, started another business. Hasmik was born in Abu Dhabi. But you chose Philadelphia. And I came to Philadelphia, yeah. Did you, what was your experience? So what year was it when you were in Philadelphia? 76, I came in March. I graduated from Penn in 78. I got married August But you didn't speak English, really, when you came. Uh, My English was the fifth language, so my English was not, uh, was, I wasn't fluent. I learned English in high school. I was like, uh, I didn't have the language. I had the reading and writing, but speaking was the last thing. You know, I could read and write. But did you feel like there were like did you experience any obstacles or like did you experience any discrimination because you were obviously a foreigner? Yeah, I was. I I felt like uh, asking question in class, kind of raise your hand. You know what I mean? I felt a little bit like uh, shy about it. Yeah. About your language skills. Yeah, exactly. But what about like did you look? Because when you moved here, though, they grouped you with other international students, so you weren't really... No, 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 not necessarily, no. No, I wasn't with it. My second year, I lived at the international house, but the first year, I lived on regular dorms on the campus. Oh. The first year, I left on the regular dorms, and then there were a lot of more kids from my country, like from Lebanon. I I met a lot, I met, and then I moved to the international house on 37 Mm -hmm. and Chestnut. And that's when you live with a bunch of other international students. Oh, yeah. Over there, it was from all over the world. Yeah. What did you think, like, were you planning on, like, becoming a social worker after your master's? Or were you going to... Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, but I was going to stay home with Karina. I didn't want to get... I didn't believe I did to work, but I was. But but I knew I was going to... I was going to stay home with you guys. I did not want to go... I didn't want to have children and somebody else raise them. I was like one big mommy person. You know what I mean? Mommy, mm-hmm. mommy is all I know how to do. So I stayed home with Karina. Then I wanted to go back. Then I, then I had a. I didn't have a second baby. What did I had you a, think of dad? What did you think of daddy when you first met him? What was your first impression of him? Oh, I, the first time I didn't like him. <laughs> No, why are you laughing? <laughs> well, because you said the first time you didn't like him. I was wondering what. <laughs> no, he was very nice to me because he was very nice. He was very sweet. And now he was too sweet? You were annoyed by how sweet he was? No, 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 no. The, the, I didn't like him the first day, you know, because when I we went to his house for a party, Joe Ferry and his wife took me there and then uh, to a party at his house. He was so... I thought he was very rude because he just greeted everybody else, and I'm the one that is a foreigner. It was Deacon Allen, everybody, and he did. He, I stood in the corner. I stood in the corner of the kitchen, and I'm like, "How rude is this guy?" He's talking with Joe Slavin and his wife Barbara and everybody, and I'm standing there like a turnip head, you know. And yeah, I'm I like, didn't talk to you? No. I th- and then he said to me, he was so shocked by my beauty. He was shy. He had to collect himself. What an excuse. <laughs> Do you believe it? <laughs> I know I'm beautiful, but not that beautiful. 
tell me he had a shock because I was so pretty. He didn't expect me to be. Yeah, he told Joe Ferry because when they said I was going to bring our friend Nirvana, I said, what the hell is Nirvana? <laughs> he wasn't like, so I don't think he was like, I don't know what's wrong, what's wrong with him, whatever. Mm-hmm. But and then what? And then what was your first date? It was the next day. Then he asked me. He asked me to go to dinner with him the next day when we were leaving, and Joe Ferry and Kitty were driving me back to the international house. And he heard David Daddy saying, "I'll, I'll pick you up tomorrow." And I kept telling him no when he was telling me, and I said that my excuse was Monday morning. Ten, my second year was starting. I wanted to get up fresh and think. Your daddy promised me he was going to bring me home at eight thirty, and then and he, Kitty Ferry heard him say that. And he, after they dropped me, he kept telling to Joe, "I don't know David to do that. I don't know how about if they break up." And then it's we our fault. We introduced them, and Joe was like, "It's not your problem. They're all adults. You why the hell are you freaking out?" Kitty Ferry was freaking out. Why did she introduce me? Why did David is dating me? And uh, and if uh, something happens, um, we're going to blame them for introducing us. And Joe was like, did okay. you um, did you did you date anybody before Daddy in America, or did you date no. anybody in Lebanon? No. You didn't date anybody. No, I didn't. In Lebanon or America. No, or America. I went out with like I boys. That. I don't. That no, I, I no, oh, no. It's true. I went. I went with boys like not dates, dates. After were, you a one... virgin? were you a virgin when you met dad? Yeah. You were a virgin when you met dad? When I went out one time, every time I went, like one or two guys from the from the Joe Ferry office where we would go for training, you know, I would go like everybody I found rude. I found the social skills so poor. And I was like, yeah. What about no. the Middle Eastern men? The Middle Eastern men are pigs. No, they're, they're different pigs. They're, they're pigs both pigs. all pigs. They're definitely pigs, but... Don't you find um, also, but like that when I ever go on a date with an Armenian or a Middle Eastern man, not to be stereotypical, I find them to be sometimes so misogynistic and chauvinistic. Oh, okay, yeah, that that's but true. But American men are too. But I mean, I'm no, 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 that no, no, you're right. That's the reason I didn't date over there. And when I dated over here, I didn't think this. So it was like, in fact, my friend Mona, the one who's with me, just reminded us to date during lunch. What I had to tell him because I wasn't one for marriage to begin with. And I used to tell I used to tell him because I loved her husband because she met him when we were in college. So me and I, we were, I was the third leg on they went out on their date. They always took me with them. So and then I used to tell Mona if before my uh, clock will tick, if I don't have a, if I'm not married and I love children, I'm going to make a baby with your husband's sperm, Sammy. You remember Sammy who drove us around? You remember Sammy you when we went to Lebanon? That you were gonna, you were told oh, your best Sa- yeah. I was gonna have Sammy's sperm, and I haven't. I'm gonna have babies from Sammy. She today during lunch she reminded my friend we laughed so hard, which was true. It wasn't a lie what she was saying. I told Mona if if I I, I was like I I said I didn't mind raising but a child on my own. How old? Like thirty? I, I, no, 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 no. If I when I decided like. It, it, I, I won't, it's not uh, easy. The, at that time, they were saying you have to get children young. Yeah, now so they Daddy was the first person you ever had sex with. Yeah. Wow. And did you guys have sex before you were married or after? What kind of question is that? Fuck yourself. I'm serious. 
No, that's very personal. Oh, I thought it was. That's private. I mean, you said, I feel like you told me a story once about a guy that you dated in. No, no, dated. You're talking. Yeah, but it wasn't. I didn't have any sex with him or anything. No, but it was I'm not nothing saying serious. That, I'm saying that I Friend, no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't. No, it was nothing a date. No, oh. I don't have. I was very selective. I was very difficult. Look what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're or so some, difficult. It doesn't I know. <laughs> or somebody so selective. <laughs> so oh. very bad and. Did you and you guys weren't together for that long? No, just just a year. By February, at my mom's birthday, we told them uh, we were engaged. Crazy to me. That's crazy. Yeah, by by February, I met him September 10th. It makes me think you married him for your green card. Who who thinks that? Me. (laughs) No, I was. I didn't care. I I would go back home. What would I care? (laughs) But it did happen so quickly. Yeah, because when you, that's stupid. When you're in love, it's stupid. You were in love. Yeah, I, I, I loved your dad. Are you kidding me? He was so nice to me. Oh. So then what happened? Then how long? Then how long were you married before you got pregnant with Karina? I didn't want to be pregnant the first year. I, I tried the second year. I didn't use measures or anything serious, but I didn't work at it. And then after a year, I said, now I want to be pregnant. And I got pregnant right away. By the time Karina was born, I was 32, I think. No, almost 32, 31 and a half. So how were you? Um, and and then and then did you know it was a girl? No, I didn't know. It was a surprise. Mm-hmm. But was... What was, like, the biggest thing you learned through your first pregnancy? What I learned? Becoming a mother. When you first became a mother, what was something that you learned? learned about? No, I didn't learn too much from my pregnancy. What I learned the first time when we took the plane and we were coming to California and Karina was 15 months old or less, I learned your life changes. I used to take planes and travel, never was afraid about dying. When you get when you have a child and you get on the plane the first time, your perspective of flying as life changes. Then I'm panicking about where I'm sitting, what I'm doing, and if the plane the plane falls, if we go travel, and that's what I realized. That's when I realized. Being a mother, a parent. But when you have, when she was born, she was colicky for eight months. She cried day and night. I didn't have to discuss philosophical things or nothing. I was lucky I didn't throw her out of the window, you know. And I was lucky I showered or something like that. I didn't. Did you have learn any like, anything? or anything? No, 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 no. I was happy. Like now, with all that thing, if I had postpartum, I would have thrown her out of the window because she she cried eight months day and night. She had colics. And your father worked long hours. I had all by myself. I didn't have a support system. It's if funny, I had, because I just watched. I just watched this movie. This movie came out with Wine Country. It's this like silly movie with like Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, and then this one scene, Maya Rudolph gets drunk in a hot tub and she's talking all types of like emotional nonsense to her friend. And one of the things she talks about is like 
that's philosophical about death and dying, and she's like, the idea of leaving my babies behind is like the biggest fear. That's know? the biggest fear I had. Every time I had a cold or a sick or I got sickness, I was almost was going to become psychosomatic. I did not. If I die, my, nobody can take care of my kids but me. Every time that thing. And when I flew the first time we went to California, Karina, I was like, life is different. Every time I went to on a plane before, I was like, who the care? The front, the plane falls the floor. You die, you die. What do you care? And that's it. And every time after that, I got sick, something bad. I had this fear of having cancer. The whole life, I would panic because it was, I couldn't leave my kids behind. I could not. That was my biggest phobia in life after I had you guys. Yep. Well, you're still here. I know. Thank God for that. But then you also worry about something happening to us. Yeah. So not only do you worry about something happening to you, you worry about something happening to us. Well, I, I, saw that. I, I, still, I still am like that, Kate. Now I'm like, I still am like that. Now I'm worrying about Ileana. I, I, I start with the war, with the thing, with the, with the Trump thing. I worry about Ileana. The 30, I, now I, I, pray, I just like, I can't, I, I am obsessed. I'm obsessing over Ileana's future. Yep. yep. What do you, what are you like into right now? What are you very much like, what are you into right now? Now I'm into myself and, and my Ileana. Now it's like I'm practicing selfish. What about me? Oh, you're on your own now. You're happy. You're doing well. I worry about you, but it's like she's three years old. I worry about her. And then I worry. I'm, I'm practicing selfishness. I, w- I want to live for myself. And what me? about Quinn? Do you want to worry about Quinn? And Quinn too. So Quinn is like a vegetable now, so I'm not too worried about him. He's like, Karina is like, I worry about Ileana because she goes to daycare. Now Quinn is at home with his mother. You know what I mean? When Quinn started daycare, I'll start worrying. Now he's at home with his mother, eating and pooping. And Karina is home with him. I like to mean the mom to be home with them when they're that little. When he goes to daycare in a few months, I'll start worrying about him. <laughs> That's now I'm a, I, it's just Ileana. I worry about you when you go, you're up at night taking some ways coming home. I worry about all that crap, but I try not to obsess over it as much. You know what I mean, hon? What have, what do you feel like you've learned just from your, as you reflect back and like your lived experiences in your relationship? What do you feel like you've learned? What I learned from my relationship with home. Anybody, it's your relationships, your lived experiences, you know, as you reflect, like, as you kind of, like, like what are some lessons you've learned? I reflect, I reflect about not worrying too much. I wish I knew not to worry too much. But you I know, that's that, what, but then you just say how much you're worrying. I know, but that's my, that's my shortcomings. I have to work on it. I, I, like, I have a magnet on the refrigerator. Worrying is like a rocking chair. chair. It gives you something to do. It doesn't get you anywhere. But the narrative of you not worrying is not that interesting. Tell me, like, what have you, when you look back on, like, great experiences, what have you learned? Not just, I don't want you to worry, like. That's all I learned. I learned to be philosophically, you cannot, it's worrying is a little bit of control because I want to make sure everything is in order. I want to make sure your life is in order. That that's never can happen, okay? Surprises happen. And you have to go with the flow. You cannot decide. You know what I mean? You see like this, the saying that says, 
all those cliches saying, you plan your life, but then life happens. You know, you plan your life a certain way, and then life happens. And that's what I learned, that those, are, those cliche things are all very true. They might seem cliches, but there is a lot of wisdom in it. You see my point, honey? Mm-hmm. Like the like the rocking chair. Rocking chair is, uh, gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Worrying is the same way, okay. But I didn't know, like, you get wise too late. You know what I mean? By the time you know everything, you're too old and everything is finished and done. That's what I'm realizing. If you could say something to your younger self, what would would you say? To be more relaxed and more chill. Yeah. To be not too chill. Not too chill. You have to have to be responsible. Too chill is bad. To have balance. Middle of the road, honey. You have to have balance. Not too chill, not too think. It sounds boring what I'm saying. It's not boring, honey. It's very true. You're too chill, you don't achieve anything. And you worry too much, you handicap yourself too. You have to find balance in life, in everything you do. It's the truth. When you eat something, you don't deprive yourself, you have to eat everything. You exercise too much, you kill yourself, you have to have to do it with balance. Balance is the world. The whole world, it's the only word, balance, do everything with balance, okay? You know what I mean? Is that, am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I learned, Hokies. What, ha- what makes you happy? Uh, my, what makes me happy, my, again, it says, Hokies, my children. You are as happy as the, your happiest child. And as said, I, I, that's my whole, I cannot. You are as I, happy as your happiest child? Yeah, like your, your, your happiness affects my happiness. Your, your sadness, it just. You know, like the umbilical cord, you cut it and stuff. I might have cut it, but I I only... I don't think you cut yours. (laughs) No, no, it's cut. My umbilical cord is cut, but emotionally, like, I we go back to the worry, anxiety, that, uh, I don't know, maybe this is the Middle Eastern mother thing, and I mean, the mother thing. We, my friends who are here, they only live for their... Yeah, I'm coming up. They will only they they my my friend. They only live for we literally live for our kids, huh? Honest to God, those two who are here, the same way. The, her sister, the same way. It's just it's not even the husband. It's the kids. We live for our kids. Other yep. than worrying or not worrying, do you have any regrets? Not too many, no. Not too many because I did when everything I did when I did it, it's with very good intentions and with good heart. So I don't worry about that. It's not I never did anything with the malice or things. So no, honey, I have none. Everything was well intentioned and very good heart. And when I put my head on the pillow, I can sleep very well at night. Okay, I never did anything to hurt anybody with malice. If by accident I did it. When I find out about it, I apologize. I might, um, things do happen by accident. You say the wrong thing to hurt anything, but never I did want to say anything. But I don't let people step on me, so I come feisty. I I I fight back. But what type I, of what type of child was I? You were a, you were a good kid till you became rebellious around thirteen. You were the best little boy, very affectionate, very, and then you get rebellious. You had a big mouth. And then you start talking back, like teenager stuff. And you know how I was like, get over here, you're going to get a slap on your face and go. 
and then used to run around the house. And I used to say, sooner you get the slap off your face, the better you got. <laughs> you know, and it'll be over with. And you didn't like that. And it was like, we were not allowed to talk back to our parents. We, can, we didn't have the right to talk back to them till they died. So that's, but I you know, have too much. You and Daddy say I have too much. Too to much say. to say. Yes, you still do. Yep. We say too much, and then we keep telling you, you Alex, that's not right. And you didn't. You you fought that. You didn't. But would you that. rather have somebody? Would you rather have somebody tell you the truth and how they're feeling, or would you rather have somebody be passive? No, you can okay. tell the truth. No, you can yeah. tell the truth, but we respect. We expected you to do it, but that was the rebellion thing. But we didn't. Re- I didn't rebel as a teenager. So. Over here is accepted that all teenagers have to rebel. I don't believe that much on that. I don't believe that you have to rebel. Whatever, it's like they feed you that. You know, you have to rebel. We have to rebel. Like, we are not every, Do you think all the kids in, in, in Kittle rebel? Do you think the. Uh, no, they rebel maybe afterwards, but not when they're teenagers. There is. It's, it has to do with respect, honey. I don't. No, you. I want you to tell your opinion, but there is. I mean, like, we had to respect boundaries. I'm sorry, and I still believe in that. I don't did believe... Did you think... Um, did you... What did you think of me as a child? Like, what what was your, like, opinion of me as a child? Like, describe me more. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't... I never knew I was going... You're going to become such a, a feisty fighting person. You were not at all. You were very sweet, mellow. You just... You just turned feisty and fighter like when you turned 13. You were not that kind at all. You were very sweet and mellow. I was like, you just blindsided by that, Hokies. I, it, it, it came as a surprise. I never expected you to do that. Yeah, that's interesting. Now that you said it, actually, you're kind of right. You know what I'm saying, honey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Like, do you remember when I started singing in first grade? Like, yes. Who discovered me? <laughs> Your teacher, kindergarten teacher, discovered you. No, it wasn't my kindergarten. It was Mrs. Tancredi. Yeah, Tancredi. She was. That was first. first grade. First grade. Okay. It was the very beginning of first grade. Yeah. Because I was in Catholic school, but you didn't think that I was getting in. I had what's, what was her name? Mrs. Thompson in kindergarten, and I loved her, and she loved me, and then first grade. I had some bitch with long hair or whatever who was mean, and she was being really mean to me about my handwriting. I took you out overnight, yeah. And you took me out overnight. Tell them we just need like five more minutes. But you, um, and then you took me out because that woman was getting so mad at me for my handwriting, making the biggest deal out of the little event. And Alex, we came in the car, I picked you up. You said to me, Mommy... I think I'm not smart. I said, wow, she said, my teacher, I have been in school two weeks. She never gave me a star yet. I went the next morning. I talked with Dr. Rice at the elementary school at West, mm-hmm. and I came, and she wasn't going to talk to me, the principal. I said, you know, I need to talk to you. She said, I have a meeting. I can't. I said, it'll be very, she said, I don't have time. I only have two minutes. She was very, I said, I have. It's only take two minutes. I'm taking Alex out of school. Then she got me. She had time. She took me to the office. I said, this is what the teacher said. And to me, the self-esteem is the most important thing in life. And then she goes, I don't believe. She said, oh, no, we're very big on self-esteem. I said, no, I don't see too many Catholics setting the world on fire. 
the only thing you give you teach your kid in Catholic is to have a good handmanship. <laughs> she didn't know what hit her. I said no. I said to me, I don't care what they know and how much they know. I I don't care they're stupid, but I want them to have good self-esteem. She said, Oh, we we concentrate on good self-esteem. I said, No, you don't know. You, I said, Oh, I said I went to Catholic a few years ago. You guys were like that. But I don't think you, I thought maybe you changed over the years. I said, I went to Catholic State and I didn't like it. But I said, maybe over the years you guys had changed. And then but she said, oh, yes, we do. We do believe in self-esteem. I said, no, it looks to me you are the same or maybe worse. You just stay the same, I said, in Catholic school. The only thing I, I, I know you're very good at teaching the kids Good hand, uh, right handmanship, whatever the word is. Handmanship. Handmanship, handmanship. And she said. But then, and then I, Mrs. And then he took me to Mrs. Tinkree, and then remember I sang, and she made me uh, try out for the talent show, and I tried out for the mm-hmm. talent show, and I got in. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And there was a lady sitting in front of me, one of your friends' mother. She turned around back. She said, "Oh my God, Nirvana, he's so good. I forgot who she was." She said, "He is so good because you were very good." <laughs> 